Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Do you like board games? Yeah, I like board games. And uh, my wife and I, we love playing board games. We love when we have friends over to play board games. One of our favorites is catchphrase. Have you ever played the game catchphrase? Okay. If you haven't played, here's how the game works. All right. There is this gadget that you hold that, uh, got a little timer. Got it? Okay. It's basically like hot potato, and there will be a, um, a phrase that comes on the screen that I've got to get my team to guess. And we all kind of sit in a circle and we go team one, team two, team one, team two, and around. Once my team guesses, I, I pass it on. And, and there's certain rules in the game, okay? Like um, if, if part of, you can't like use part of the phrase to describe what you're getting your team to guess. So if it was to say Foothills Church, I couldn't say my favorite church on the planet because I used the word church. So now that's out. Or if it said like high school football, I couldn't say Gamecock football because that would be the same thing. That's, um, that's not fair. Um, but here's, here's the truth. I, I think this is hilarious. There are two different types of characters when you play board games with friends or with people. There is the character that loves to know the rules for one reason. They want to know how much they can get away with. They want to know like how to push every line to get just any extra edge towards winning possible. Okay, so an example, it might be going around and they might have the word blue jay and they go, okay, it rhymes with stingray and you got to stop the game because that's a rule. You can't, you can't say rhymes with, you're breaking the rule. They're like, okay, so you can't say rhymes with? That's right. You can't say rhymes with. Okay, cool. I got it. So the next round, it comes around and it says case. And they're like, okay, it's something uh, that you, you carry things with that sounds like place. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just, you just said sounds like, that's rhymes with. They said, no, 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 no. You said that I can't say it rhymes with. And I said that it sounds like, and those are, those are two, like this is that person. They get like nitty gritty. They just want to know how they can get that edge. How many of you know somebody like that? How many of you are somebody like that? How many of you are sitting next to somebody like that? And then there's the other person that's got rules on top of rules on top of rules, and they call them house rules, right? And, and there's nothing more frustrating to me than when someone brings their house rules to my house, right? Like, we'll be playing the game, and, and in this game, you can, you can push the skip button as many times as you want. If you don't know the phrase on there, okay, I, I can continue to, to skip. I think every time you hit next, it starts to speed up that timer. So it's, it's not necessarily an advantage, but somebody might have a house rule about how many times you can skip. So there's been times we're playing, someone hits skip once, they hit skip a second time, and the person in the circle is like, whoa, 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 stop, that's team two's point. You just skip twice. We only skip once. Like, what? What are you talking about? You can skip as many times as Nope, nope, house rule. House rule. It's not your house. What are you doing? All right? This is, this is something we do. Like, you know these two characters. They do not just exist in games. They exist in our real life as well. If you're a parent, you know this. Sometimes you have a kid who wants to test every single moral boundary, every single limit. They want to know the line so they can figure out just how much they can get away with. They want to toe the very edge of that line. 
And then you've got kids who want a definition and they want all of the rules listed out, color-coded so that they can be the poster child that impresses you with how much they know the rules, right? We're walking through this series called Unrestricted and we're walking through the book of Galatians together. And we're talking about the freedom that Christ has come to give you and I. Thanks to his sacrifice and what we just celebrated, the sacrifice that he took for you and I, and thanks to our faith in him, now he has set us free eternally. But Jesus did not only come so that we could be free one day in heaven when we get there. He came so that we could be free right now here, that heaven could come here and we could walk in that freedom today. And so the Galatians was a group of people that had been impacted by the the gospel through the apostle Paul. And then this other group came in and kind of jumbled up the idea of what walking in freedom looked like. And so the whole letter is Paul trying to set the record straight. And during this letter, Paul is talking to these two different characters. He's talking to people who who tried to toe the line as far as following the desires of their flesh. And he warns them in this book that if you continue to toe the line or continue to turn to the things of the flesh, watch out because you'll end up in oppression and in slavery again. And if, if you're here in the room and you've ever dealt with a struggle or if you ever have dealt with an addiction, you know that's true. You know that if you toe the line with a past struggle, if you, if you get close and you get to the hint of that struggle, you know how quickly you can fall back into a stronghold of that struggle once again. And so Paul's warning them about this, but what's happening in the book is this group of, of traditional religious leaders came in and they wanna, they wanna go the opposite direction. They have house rules that they've brought to the table. And they brought their Jewish laws and they said, look, if you're going to follow Jesus, here's what it looks like. And Pastor Greg did a great job last week talking about just some of the crazy laws that they had, that they started to follow. And, and Paul wanted to remind them, guys, the law and following the law is not what set you free. Jesus is what set you free. So jumping back into trying to be a rule follower all the way or be, be an, uh, an educated like expert when it comes to the law, that's not what's going to set you free. So the truth is this, because of Jesus, we have freedom. What we do with that freedom can determine whether or not we continue to walk in freedom or whether or not we end back up in oppression. And it can be complicated between the two sides, but Paul takes these two verses. We actually read them last week, but we're going to jump back into these two verses today to simplify everything and say, look, we've we've talked a lot about what not to do, but today we're just going to talk about you've been given freedom. What should you do with it? What do I do with the freedom that Christ has given me? I want us to turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be, what? Let's do it again. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be? That's right. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. There's that do not again. Like here's, here's some things not to do. Rather... Serve one another humbly in love. If you are a note taker, I would encourage you, if you've got your your physical Bible or notes on your phone, like circle, bold, highlight, underline that word humbly. 
Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The first thing Paul wants them to do with their freedom is lay low. Number one, lay low. Now, I want to be clear about the context of what I'm saying when I say lay low. I'm not talking about hiding or isolation. We could do a whole, a whole message on the danger of isolation or hiding. What I'm talking about is the opposite of pride, the opposite of selfishness. This, this idea that we would serve another person humbly, it's not to be seen, it's not to seek attention, it's not to seek approval. And Paul talked about this danger of living for someone else's approval earlier in the letter. In Galatians 1.10, he said this, he said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Laying low is saying, no, I'm not going to put people's uh, opinion of me in a greater space than God. The, the Galatians, this, this group of people, they knew that the law wasn't going to set them free. They knew good and well that they couldn't uphold the law. And it wasn't like someone woke up one morning and was like, I need to tell everyone in our group that we need to make some more rules you know, I, I just think that we could do a better job at following rules if we made more of them. No, what happened was a group of haughty Christians came in that, that looked the part, that looked esteemed, and they started to value what that esteem looked like because they wanted to be a part of the cool kids club. And so they started to follow what man said instead of what Jesus had said, instead of the freedom that he came to give them. And when we choose to do this, we miss out. And this wasn't a new thing for the Galatians. This was happening while Jesus was here. While Jesus was doing ministry here on earth, there was a group, there was a group of, of, of country club religious leaders known as the Pharisees. I want to look, John, John chapter 12, there's a, there's, a, there's a time where Jesus is ministering and, and people are choosing to follow him. But it says this in 42, 43, it says, but because of the Pharisees, again, the Pharisees, this is this religious traditional group of, group of leaders, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Lay low is when it's, we're not making this thing about us. It, it's, it's not about me being seen it's not about the pride or the selfishness that I can take from this. It is, it is a stealth mission. I'm in and I'm out. Because when we make it about us being seen, we sure make a stink of things. The Pharisees knew how to make a stink of things. Now, I, I, was, I, was thinking about, um, I was thinking about the first time that I ever went hunting. I, um, I went with my buddy, John, and he was a big, big hunter. And so um, we, we crashed his place. I was like 14 years old, okay? Crash his place, wake up, you know, super early to get out, go hunting. I borrow a bunch of his gear to wear. He hands me a bow. He's got a bow. So we're going out with bow and arrow. I've never shot a bow and arrow or held a bow and arrow in my life. So even already, like as we're going out there, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with this or why he invited me, but this is awesome. So we go out into the woods and we've got this kind of setup where there's, there's this hill and he's like, hey, why don't you camp out up here at the top of the hill and I'm going to kind of make my way down to the bottom. It's like, perfect. Okay. So 
we get set and we sit and we wait because that's what you do when you hunt. You sit and you wait and you wait some more and you wait some more. Finally, after a little while, a deer, a deer comes into the area that we're at. And literally the deer gets about 15 yards from my buddy John. So I'm like, this is awesome. I'm about to get a front row seat here. And so I'm watching, um, but what I'm noticing is that my buddy John is not reacting yet. He's not moving. And, and the deer, I don't know if the deer is like out of his eyesight or I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to observe and I, I want to help. I really do. And I recognize that I've got a bow in my hand, but that's not going to help because I don't know how to shoot this thing. So that, that's out of, the, out of the question. So naturally, I'm thinking somebody's got to get John's attention. So I, I go, John, there's a deer. <laughs> no, this is a true story. Um, that was the last time I've ever been hunting. That was the last time that John invited me to go hunting. <laughs> Listen, that's a silly example. That's a silly example. But for the believer that is looking to be esteemed and seen, this is what it looks like. It creates a stink. Okay? And it's, it's, not, it's not only that it's not helpful. It's, it's missing the whole point of why we are to serve humbly. The, the purpose of serving one another is that others could find Jesus. I, I, I think we need to be reminded of something constantly. As good as you are, no matter how much you grow in your walk with Jesus, no matter how much you grow in following his ways, you do not have the ability to save someone from their sins. You don't have that ability. If serving someone, other, someone else in pride gets people to you, they've not gotten anything that can change their eternity. You don't have that ability. That is Jesus's role. Laying low is saying, I'm on a stealth mission because I'm not here to be seen. I'm here to point them to Jesus. My hope is that me doing something good in this setting would cause them to find Jesus because Jesus is the one that set me free. Jesus is the one that can set them free. We don't do good things to be seen. We do good things so that Jesus is seen. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? And it's not only... It's not only missing the target, it's not effective. It, it's not effective. I, um, I was reading, I was just studying about like doing good in the world. And I, I got on this kind of rabbit trail on talking about businesses that have embraced philanthropy. Okay. Businesses that have embraced philanthropy. What that is, is a business that takes their profit and makes sure they do something good in the world. Some type of charitable function or, or, or whatever. And there's been businesses that have popped up over the years that have branded themselves completely around this idea. You know, like brands like Tom's and things like that, that they're known for not only, you know, making something that you have, like a shoe, but they're making a difference in the world. And, and this day and age, like, that is what a lot of people look for. They want to know, um, am I making a difference? Or they want to at least feel like they are making a difference. So these, these companies that embrace this are extremely popular. They draw a lot of customers and they draw a lot of employees. Well, I was reading about um, how companies are trying to position themselves in that way. And I was reading about a tobacco company that had 
had embraced this, they'd given $75 million to charity. That's a significant amount. They also spent $100 million in the marketing strategy to make sure that the world knew that they gave $75 million in charity. Okay, that's a large scale. This is what it looks like when we as believers are trying to be seen for the good that we do. We're pouring energy where energy doesn't belong. So a good question to ask would, would, would be, do I feel the need to be seen? Would I do this if, if no one else knew about it or if no one was looking? It's number one, lay low. Number two, aim small. One of my favorite movies is, is The Patriot. There's a scene where Mel Gibson, he, he throws a gun to one of his sons and he's like, remember what I taught you, son? And the son says, yes, yes, father. Aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. The problem with this group of religious leaders that came in and brought their house rules and added rules, reality is the rules are so hard to keep up with. They are so hard to keep up with. And they were bringing like some ridiculous rules that really were house rules in, in Jewish history that had not only been fulfilled, but abolished because of what Jesus had done. But even the rules that stand the test of time that aren't just for a season or a place, rules like the Ten Commandments that are black and white, right and wrong, since they've been written and even today. I'm just curious, like in this room, in this room, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I could recite all Ten Commandments in order right now? Okay, a few. A few. Maybe one. Maybe Jennifer Pageant is the only one. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not many. That's a lot to remember. Even just the Ten Commandments is a lot to remember. And, and what Paul does here in the next verse is he says, look, let, let's simplify this. You don't need to remember a bunch. Let's, let's not overcomplicate what you're trying to aim for. Let's aim small. All right, Galatians 5.14 says this, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are two ways that we can learn to aim small in the ways that it, it offers freedom to us. One, like I just said, it's, it is a lot less to remember. Like we, we, can, we can remember one, right? We can, we can take one and say, okay, all right, I need to, I need to love my neighbor. Um, but the second part of that is the word neighbor. And what that does is that kind of shrinks how big of an impact this has to be. Your neighbor is the person closest to you. These are the people in your proximity. This is you answering the question. If you want to know who your neighbor is, this is answering the question, who is in my circle of influence? Who is in my circle of influence? And what this eliminates is this eliminates something that I think all of us deep down kind of wrestle with at times, which is like, what is my big purpose in life? How do I make a huge splash for Jesus? Like, what's the big thing that I can do for God? And, and Paul's like, don't, don't focus on doing something huge or the big thing, like, Aim small. Just love your, your neighbor. This is about your circle of influence. This can have a huge impact. And even as I, as I, as I think about this, I, I think that we tend to gravitate towards making a huge difference or doing something big. Like think like Servo Coney, for example. 
That is an easy yes for a lot of people. It's all laid out. We want to get out there. We want to make a difference. And that is a very good thing for us to do something like that. But that happens in, in, in an event. And then it's kind of gone. And what I've found is when I, when I rely on the big events to do something big for God, um, I don't need as much uh, perseverance or long-term energy. What I've, what I've learned is I can actually begin to operate on my own strength even when it comes to doing the, the big things for God in these events. And next week, we're going to talk about this battle that we've got when it comes to freedom of following the Spirit of God or following um, this, uh, this liability that we carry around with us 24-7 called our flesh, which, which wants us to believe that we don't need the Lord which wants us to believe that we can walk in our own strength, which also is what gravitates us toward the things that we don't want to do over and over again, walking in our own strength. What I found is when I look at loving the people in my circle of influence, they don't go away. They're not an event that's isolated. It requires more of me walking in the spirit because again, next week we'll look at it, but Walking in the spirit comes with fruit from the spirit. And some of those fruit are things like self-control and patience and kindness and goodness. And I, and I, wanna, I wanna read it because I just wanna make sure I say this right. I, I believe that loving those closest to me requires more of God's help than when I do something big for strangers. I, mean, I wanna say that again. I believe that loving those closest to me requires more of God's help than when I do something big for strangers. And I, I don't want anyone to mishear me. I'm not saying that doing something big for a stranger is a bad thing. That, that's, that's not it at all. But I want you to think about the people that are closest to you. I want you to think about your spouse or your kids or your roommate or your siblings or some extended family, right? Maybe, maybe your coworkers, maybe kids that you teach. Maybe employees, maybe your, maybe your next door neighbors. When it comes to loving my neighbors, I need all of the help I can get from God. And that, that's not a slash on them. That's a slash on me. <laughs> that's a slash on me. I, it helps me to rely more on God. When we are walking in this smaller aim, we are going to end up leaning into more of the Lord. And that is good because remember, it was the Lord who set you free. So what that does is it allows you to walk with him so that he can sustain your freedom so that you do not have to sustain your freedom in your own strength or power. So we lay low, aim small. And then number three, love great. Love great. Essentially, um, the reason that I included this word is, is I, don't, I wouldn't want us to misinterpret a smaller aim or a smaller focus as meaning that we get to put forth less effort. Just because we aren't headed to a third world country to do something big for God, or just because we don't have to uh, get a 100 on our final exam on Jewish law, does not mean that loving our neighbor doesn't require a great amount of effort. In fact, let's look at 514 again and see how Paul described loving your neighbor. He said, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, 
Love your neighbor as what? Love your neighbor as what? Love your neighbor as yourself. We, we know how to listen to the things that we want, the things that, that will drive us to, to the temporary desires of our flesh or the temporary relief that we can do to try our very best in our control to do what we think we can to be able to love ourselves. We know like how to, how to, um, how to feel like we earned or deserved that dessert or that vacation or that break, or we know like why we, we turn to maybe an addiction or a struggle that will pull us out from feeling because we want to take control. We know how to try to manage or love ourselves. And, and what Paul has to say is like, don't love yourself. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, take that energy, put that amount of energy, that amount of focus and, and make it about others. Make their needs a, a greater value than your needs. Put their needs ahead of yours. Make their best greater than your best. He doesn't say to love them at a distance. He doesn't say to love your neighbors with what's left over after you've loved yourself. He doesn't say uh, to love them after you love yourself too. He doesn't say um, to love them if they love you back. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is a great effort. This is, this is a full on effort. I am going to love and pour that energy. I'm going to love great here. I'm going to love great. Um, I've kind of got this, this, uh, life hack that's working right now. Check with me in a couple years, see if it's still working. But life hack, this, this, it's helping, it's helping my, my attention to this within my marriage. Okay, so um, every morning after I've gotten up and spent a little time with Jesus, my next first step before we're getting the girls up and I mean, once the day starts, you know the day starts. It's like, we gotta get everybody ready. School's about to start, gotta get to work breakfast, all the things, right? So in, in, in just that, that little space of quiet time, I, I have been, I've started being really intentional about just unloading the dishwasher. I know that sounds like groundbreaking, right? That sounds like, man, this is, this is, this is you know, huge, right? But, but I've started to recognize that, man, there is this, this, this moment in time each day where I've, I've gotten with Jesus, but now if I can take a little bit of time and pour my energy to remind my heart and my posture that the, the first circle of influence I have, the first neighbor I've got is my wife and my daughters. That's number one. Like before, I, and I'm about to pour out a bunch of energy at work. You know, like we got, there's a ton of demand. I don't care what you do. There's a ton of demand. I don't care if you're in school right now. You know, there's a ton of demand. There's a ton of demand coming. And I need this moment to kind of center me to make sure that my family doesn't get what's left over at the end of the day. That there's a focus. And, and during that, there's, there's some reminders in this. I gotta, I gotta remember that word humbly and I've gotta lay low because it can't be like, it can't be washing the dishes so that Katie knows that I, or put, putting away the dishes. It can't be that so that Katie knows I did it. And, and dudes, it can't be doing that so you get something else, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's, not, it's not about that. It's not about, this is no strings attached. This is no strings attached. This is centering my humility in this moment. 
And this is reminding me that I don't have to go do something huge to change the world. It happens right here in my circle of influence. I can aim small and I can, I can love great right here in this circle of influence. Look, Paul, Paul spends this, this, whole, um, this whole letter describing a lot about what was stealing their freedom. But in these two verses, he, he just simplifies. He says, look, guys, just do this. You, you've got freedom, just do this. You're going to be able to walk in this freedom. Jesus is going to sustain your freedom. And this is how you impact the world. Don't listen to what these other people have come in and, and, and told you. And don't run back to the ideas of your flesh. You know where that got you in the past. You know what our world needs right now? Our world, it, our world does not need a, um, a bunch of people who want to toe the line or push every moral limit find out like what's the next boundary we can press out. We got plenty of that. And, and our world doesn't need um, country club Christians that add rules on top of things that make it Jesus plus a bunch of rules. We talked about that week one. Salvation is just Jesus only. Freedom is, is Jesus only. It doesn't need a, a country club group that has become exclusive to the rest of the world. That stands out like a stink, Right? That's what causes people to say, I don't want anything to do with the church. That's why a lot of people are walking away from the church in America. That's not what our world needs. You know what our world needs? It needs an inspired group of people that are willing to lay low and make it about Jesus. That are willing to aim small and love great their circle of influence. It needs spouses that love great. Our world needs healthy marriages because spouses love great. Our world needs healthy families because parents love their children the way that God designed it and that God wanted it. Our world needs neighbors that treat each other with love and they aren't trying to figure out how each other vote or whatever else they can disagree on that are just finding a way to love one another. Our world needs a community that loves well. Churches that love each other well. Our world needs a city that loves each other well because it needs a nation that loves each other well. That is what standing out like a city on a hill looks like. That's what Jesus intended. And that's why one of his prayers was that we would be one, that we would be one. Lay low, aim small, and love great. Can we pray together? Jesus, we thank you for our freedom in you. That, that's where we start right now. We just thank you for our freedom. Lord, a freedom that none of us in this room earned, but a freedom that you gave out of your great love for us. So Jesus, right now, we just give you glory and we say thank you for our freedom. And Jesus, we want to walk in the function of the freedom that you've given us. We wanna walk in that purpose and we wanna answer the question boldly, this is what I do with my freedom because this is what you've told us in your word. Lord, that we would walk humbly not to be seen, but so that you could be seen. And Lord, that we would aim small that we wouldn't overcomplicate this thing, but we'd love those that are right in front of us, God, our families and our neighborhood, God, our coworkers and those that are right around us. Lord, give us the strength to love those around us well. We need your help with that. Lord, we wanna love great 
We want to love in a way that represents the way that you have loved us, God. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room right now that's hungry for a love like that, that's hungry for a freedom like that. I pray right now, Lord, that you would move them to say yes to a relationship with you and the eternal freedom that you offer through your sacrifice. And if that's you today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you could pray a prayer like this right now. You could say, Jesus, I want to be free. I recognize that I couldn't keep up with the rules. And I recognize that running with my flesh never got me anywhere. Would you save me from my sins? I believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe that you died for me. And I'm gonna commit to follow you for the rest of my life. It's in your name we pray, amen.